Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this podcast. So glad that you can be with us. We are currently going through the book of Hebrews together. It is a book in the New Testament that can appear daunting and challenging to us. Uh, It can feel so different culturally and speaking of a sacrificial system that can leave us confused and just not sure that we get it all. But it doesn't have to be that way. And you might just come to realize how fascinating this letter really is and how relevant it is for our discipleship to Jesus as we move through it. And if you're picking up the podcast here and desire to use this as a resource and going through Hebrews or interested in learning more, then I encourage you to go back and listen to our earlier episodes. They began in late November, uh, and then we paused for most of December as we focused on Advent, and we've been uh, back in Hebrews now. Um, This is the third podcast since Christmas. So we're currently at the end of chapter five, and we're going into chapter six on this episode. And... I want to just, I guess, say that this is not an exhaustive study of Hebrews. It's not meant to be. It's not a series of messages on Hebrews either. It's more of a devotional commentary that is going to focus on particular aspects of each chapter. But hopefully it does serve to broaden your understanding of Hebrews while inviting you to follow the way of Jesus. Because that's really the intent of this, is that this, as we go through this and we understand God's God's word, that it's shaping us and uh, forming us into the way of Jesus and following that. And so we ended our last episode looking at how Hebrews 5 speaks of Jesus's life on earth, how he learned obedience through suffering, how he was tempted in every way, meaning every temptation that we face, he faced, and yet he did not sin. And he has been made perfect and is now the source for eternal salvation. We talked about how Jesus knew struggle. He knew pain. He knew real life that was hard and difficult and held the temptation to take the easy way out at times for him. And so this is the way of Jesus. We are not following a different gospel. The good news of Jesus announced in the New Testament speaks a lot about suffering. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say in verse 11 in chapter 5 that there is much more to say of all this. And it's a bit of a stirring rebuke for those reading the letter. And so that's what we're going to dig into on this episode. And it's extremely relevant and needed in these days. The end of chapter 5 and going into chapter 6 speaks of the need for maturity in our relationship with Jesus. And the picture presented is one of an infant who begins on milk, but must go on to solid food if they are to grow and mature the way that they are meant to. We all need milk to start, but we are all meant to transition to solid food. And the same is true of our faith in Christ. We are meant to grow and mature. We start off learning of our need for forgiveness from our sin and walking in repentance when we come to Christ from those acts in our lives that we've been in, but we're not meant to stay there. We're not meant to live in this perpetual cycle of sinful behavior and repentance. Now, certainly this does continue throughout our lives. We mess up, we sin, we have to repent, we have to receive forgiveness. But the point here 
is that we're not meant to stay in the same place. We're not meant to be in a stagnant place. We're meant to grow and mature with Christ. We are meant to go deeper and deeper in our apprenticeship to the way of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews speaks of those who keep falling away into behaviors and lifestyles that are incompatible with the way of Jesus. Using Jesus as we see fit while we live in opposition to his way. And the writer says that that simply isn't compatible with a vibrant, active life in Christ. Rather, we're meant to experience deep transformation and change in our lives, being enlightened. It reminds me of Ephesians 1, where Paul prays that the church would have the eyes of their hearts enlightened or opened. They'd come alive, that we would know the hope to which we've been called, the glorious inheritance from those, for those in Christ, and the incomparable power available to those who believe. And It goes on here in Hebrews 6 and talks of tasting the heavenly gift, sharing in the Holy Spirit, tasting the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. When you just stop and you think about that, this is pretty incredible stuff. Romans 8 speaks of embracing suffering with Jesus in order that we may be glorified with him. Chuck Swindoll says, or said, I should say, He says, when I ask people when they really grew spiritually, they never describe an easy time. Never. What we're going through right now, this is not an easy time. In fact, it is very hard for many reasons and on many levels for many people. And it feels so unfair and so unrighteous. And we need to say it's okay to be upset and it's okay to feel grief. We need to make room for this. The answer isn't just to disregard it, stuff it down, and pretend it doesn't exist. Cheer up, put on a happy face, just pray. No, we need to do, we need to pray, but we need to talk about what's going on. We need to talk about what we're feeling. But we can also embrace the fact that it is in times of great struggle that God does great work in the hearts of his people. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, it says in Hebrews 5. How do we think we learn obedience? Do we think we sidestep this and just keep praying for blessing and increase? How does that align with the gospel of the New Testament? We're not called to be Christians. We're called to be disciples. We are called to produce good crops with our lives. That's what verses 7 and 8 here speak of in chapter 6. If our lives do not produce goodness, if there's not fruitfulness, we have a problem. We need to understand that throughout the New Testament, there is a connection between suffering and apprenticeship to the way of Jesus. Suffering doesn't just help form us to the way of Jesus. It invites us to embrace it so that we are filled with the life of Jesus. We become like him. We learn to die to self. We are to think of others as more significant than ourselves. We are to be governed by the passion of knowing Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death to live crucified for Christ, living in the body by faith in the Son of God. Those are all things that Paul says in Philippians and Galatians. This is not radical Christianity for the few. 
And I think that we can be conditioned to think that that's for the real serious radical people that are just a little bit off. No, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus according to the gospel of the New Testament. This is the way. We are meant to pursue formation to the way of Jesus. And we're all being formed to a way. But we are meant to pursue formation to the way. We, we have an aversion to suffering in our culture. Part of it isn't even our fault. We've been formed in this way by a culture obsessed with comfort and wealth and affluence. And so it's hard to actually read the New Testament and read of Jesus' suffering and embrace it amidst this culture that we live in and see. It's incredibly difficult. And it's far easier for pastors and churches to cherry pick the parts of the New Testament that speak of power, growth, blessing, and the riches found in Jesus. And it sort of fits alongside nicely with the progressive ideals of this world and where the world thinks it's headed. And it's true. Power, growth, blessing, and riches found in Jesus, it's all true. But it's not disconnected from suffering and pain and submission to the way of Jesus. In his latest book, Letters to the Church, Francis Chan speaks of suffering and how it's all over the place in the New Testament. And it is. If you just do a study on suffer, suffering, and those words, you'll find it everywhere. How we suffer for Jesus, how it, it, Jesus says how we're going to be hated and rejected because of him. It says that, that we are going to endure the same things that Jesus endured. Francis Chaney says he preaches messages on suffering and people think it's some strange or new teaching because we just don't talk about it. Now, we need some encouragement alongside all of this because there is nothing better than following the way of Jesus. It's the way to fullness of joy and life to the full. There is nothing like experiencing the presence of Jesus. You only want more when you do. The writer of Hebrews says that God is not unjust. He will not forget our work or the love that we've shown him, it says, as we help his people and continue to help. What a promise. Hebrews 6, it, it goes on, it says, it calls us, this calls us to diligence and guards us against becoming lazy because we know what's in store. We know that God is good and we know what he's promised. Verse 13 and onwards to the end of chapter 6 highlights the promise that God made to Abraham, the promise that Abraham received by waiting patiently. This promise applies to us as well. The righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. God confirmed this through two unchangeable things it says there in Hebrews 6. His nature and his promise. And it is because of this that we who have fled to take hold of this hope may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. How, how great is that, that promise, just those few words for these times, that we have this hope as an anchor, firm and secure. This, this is the hope amidst all the madness and insanity of these days. 
All hope is found in Jesus. There is nothing more worthwhile than surrendering our lives to him and pursuing him with everything we have. There's nothing more worthwhile than that. I will admit that there are days right now and times during the day where I need to be reminded of this constantly. There are just so many things that make no sense. And the rising levels of fear, the ongoing pounding of that, and the misinformation is so frustrating. I'm increasingly taking issue right now with churches being closed here locally. There's no reason for our complete closure. It is an overreach. It is control. It is not supported by data. And so I'm wrestling with what to do with this and how to respond because the need to gather for the church is crucial. It does matter. God's presence dwells amongst his people and we are meant to be together. But is that the be all end all? Is our end goal right now just to get churches reopened? Is that what maturity in Christ means? The ability to come to church once a week for 90 minutes. I want us to consider what Francis Chan shares about this. This is what he says in his book. He was, uh, he's talking about how him and his daughter, um, five years prior to writing this book, they had gone on, on um, they'd gone to an underground gathering in China. And the young people in this gathering were praying passionately, begging God to send them to dangerous places because they wanted to die for Jesus. And it wasn't, it wasn't any celebrity um, desire in them. They, they simply wanted to serve Jesus. And Francis Chan says this, he says, I had never seen anything like it. I still can't get over the fearless passion for Jesus this church embodied. As they shared stories of persecution, I sat in amazement and asked for more stories. After a while, they asked why I was so intrigued. I told them the church in America was nothing like this. I can't tell you how embarrassing it was to try and explain to them that people attend 90-minute services once a week in buildings, and that's what we call church. I told them about how people switch churches if they find better teaching, more exciting music, or more robust programs for their kids. As I described church life in America, they began to laugh. Not just small chuckles, they were laughing hysterically. I felt like a stand-up comedian, but I was simply describing the American church as I've experienced it. They found it laughable that we could read the same scriptures they were reading and then create something so incongruent. Apprenticeship to Jesus is not about coming to church. Being part of the body of Christ, connected and growing with a local church is part of apprenticeship to Jesus. Yes, and it's important. But it is not the defining aspect. It's not the thing that will prove or guarantee your apprenticeship to Jesus. Far from it. The church as a body of people connected together is something we desperately need to recover in our culture. But we also have desperate need to embrace apprenticeship to Jesus and form our lives around this truth. These 
are important days. I think we recognize increasingly as the church that something really strange is happening. It's like culture and society is changing before our very eyes. And I think we all know that there's things that are never going to be the same. I I, I don't say that because I want to uh, stir up fear or anxiety or uh, to have us... uh, depressed or 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 just disappointed at what we see. No, that's that's not my intent at all. What I want it to do in me and what I would want it to do in others around me is that it would push us increasingly to Jesus and to recognize that the Bible is true. That God's word is not just true, it's powerful, it's living, it's active, and we need it desperately in our lives, not just for the sake of it being in our lives, but to form us into Jesus and into his way. And so I'm asking in this time where, yes, I want to gather as the church, but I also want to ask God, what do you want to do in us as it relates to apprenticeship to Jesus? What do you want to do in me right now? How can I grow in maturity right now in the way of Jesus while still longing and still waiting expectantly and still really grieving right now over what's happening? But how can I grow in the midst of this? We have hope as the anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Let's hold on to that promise as it encourages us to press in to the way of Jesus, to go on from milk and to go on to solid food and to go on into deeper and deeper maturity in the way of Jesus. We need that in these days. Friends, thanks so much for being with us. I trust that this podcast was a blessing to you and Lord willing, we will see you again. Thank you.